0: I, I did I getting a
1: hangover Their hangovers are much, much worse.
0: Yeah. Welcome to Gareth Jones on Speed, <laughs> as Richard and Zog discuss just it's how bad a hangover they've had already at Christmas Dues. How are you, fellas? Uh,
2: good. Actually, not hangover, you. actually. Yeah. Are you right.
1: seasonally vibed up? Jingle bells all the way. Or is it bar humbug?
2: more bar humbug. Because
0: this is the nearest thing we have to an official Gareth Jones on Speed Christmas show.
2: And can I just say, both of you... Tonight, thank God it's them instead of you. <laughs> <laughs> That's my words of uh, wisdom for Christmas. And he From knows Saint well Bono. and he no. knows
0: who's been naughty and he knows who's Saint been good. Me. Christmas is the season to be uh, well, not that jolly if you live in Brackley or work in Brackley in Northamptonshire, like those poor people. At Honda. Mm. I thought we should open this show talking about the unfortunate thing that's happened to Honda. Is it unfortunate?
1: Yeah, absolutely. We love F1. You need enough teams in the sport to make it interesting and competitive. Mm. You need enough cars on the grid. Fewer cars is bad. Fewer teams is bad. I don't know whether fewer manufacturers is bad because Honda departing does kind of underline the point that Mosley, amongst others, has made in the past. It's quite right that uh, manufacturers will come and go from the sport on a whim, in mm-hmm. a way that independent teams will not. They have no reason to be in the sport other than other than to improve their brand image. Uh, and if at corporate level, if at the boardroom level, somebody says, well, you know, we're spending a lot of money here and not really getting results, they'll just pull the plug overnight.
2: Yeah. No, it is quite sad, isn't it? I mean, it, it, it's sad for it, the people who work there because yeah. they were doing their best. I, I think something else that's unfortunate is the, is the the way the cars work for the past two years. It hasn't been great, but then we've seen that happen with other teams and then suddenly they come right back so it would have been nice to see that well. at some point as a team I think we quite like Honda don't we because they have a great racing history and they've got some you know some really interesting things in their past and they could have done good stuff in the future it sort of seems to shame and that's the thing but they have dropped out of F1 in the past and they have come, then come back again so I wouldn't bet against them coming back at some point because that's sort of part of what they do. I think that's the way they They do it. They have a history of
0: changing their mind about things. You know, they were in F1 in the 60s, pulled out. Hmm. It's a bit like Renault, who were in F1 in the 70s and then pulled out. And they came back bit like Renault as an engine supplier Mm. Renault you know Honda supplied engines and of course as Mugen supplied engines to Jordan and were very very competitive Mm. to a point where they thought actually it's worth coming back into Formula One Mm. so they came back in as Honda supplied engines for BAR and all right this is it we're on the way they were doing quite well but I remember being at a test at Silverstone in oh gosh 90 something or other it was the period when Harvey Postlethwaite, which is difficult to say with my lisp, was still alive. And he'd been asked to look at a feasibility study of Honda coming back into Formula One. And they built an mm. F1 car mm. they, on their own with Harvey, because he was redundant from Tyrrell Tyrrell, at that point, and they put Jos Verstappen in to test it, and this thing was whizzing around Silverstone, seconds ahead of even the Williams at the time, which was the quickest car. Mm. And I remember having a conversation with an engineer from another team, probably Jordan, saying, Honda, come back, they're going to win the World Championship inside of three years. And I had no reason to disbelieve that Mm. this was going to happen. So for them then to come back... To have some success with B.A.R. when Dave Richards, or rather it was Honda at that point, wasn't it? They bought out B.A.R. when Dave Richards was running the team. And then to think that they could manage without Dave Richards and come in. And then that's where things went wrong. Mm. It was heartbreaking, really. I mean, if anyone, they should be able to win in Formula One,
1: really. Well, knowing how to win in Formula One, and by win, you have to mean winning championships. Races don't really count. There are only four teams in the sport at the moment who know how to win, and one of them, Williams, is kind of losing that memory by the year. There are only four teams who have won in the last, what, 25 years? Really? I think you're probably right. Certainly um, 20 years.
0: Actually, 25 years since the 80s. Yeah? Yeah. Williams, McLaren... Ferrari, Renault. 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 You're Renault. right. That's That's it's Renault what, slash Bannerton. Rosberg, Williams 81 or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Well, I'd argue that all of the teams know how to win. You just have to get your car to go over the line first. It's just that yeah. most of them are crap at it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: good. One of the sad things, it seems to me, about Honda dropping out now is that they are at a point where rule changes and other changes for next year and beyond notwithstanding, they do recently on the point of turning things around and having been underperforming, uh, for, for quite a while, in terms of the money they put into the sport, you really get the sense that next year should have been a good one for them. And so to see yeah. them drop out at this point is a great shame.
0: Which brings me to Jensen Button, because Paul Rubens is out of a contract, yeah. but no one's told him. Jensen, on the other hand, is being incredibly loyal. And he's made this statement that he intends to stay with Honda. He's not considering a drive with another team. That would be Toro Rosso then, about the only other one, team who's mm. got a space. That he's going to stick with Honda. Now, he's either been fiercely, fiercely, fiercely loyal, which I really respect if he is, or he's got a genuine inkling that the technology Honda are developing for next year is going to be an absolute cracker if someone manages to come in and buy the team and
1: get there. But the problem is that if you're buying Honda now, you're buying a big fat team that's designed to work in sort of 2008 F1. Mm. Um, it's not a team that's designed to work in the F1 of 2009, 2010, mm. 2011. This is what when Huge cost yeah. savings are uh, supposedly going to be implemented. I mean, th- they will have to reduce costs to some extent, but you know, maybe they will reduce them considerably. You're not going to be spending hundreds of millions of dollars a year anymore. That's the idea. But that's the kind of team Honda is. If you're going to go into F1, you want a smaller team.
2: Yeah, I, I think you're probably right. So it means increasingly likely that someone would buy Honda, do you think? But that, I, yeah, but that also makes it a little more curious what Button's up to. What is this, this fierce loyalty to Honda that, God knows, where that's going to take him. Because mm. it just seems odd.
3: Yeah. Yeah, once again, I can only apologise, madam. Yeah. No, I, mean, I, I can assure you that we at Salining Tower of Pizza pride ourselves on our prompt delivery, and... Well, no, I, it, you see, the problem is it's his delivery rider. He's, he's actually new, and... No, of course, of course. I'll, no, I'll be having a word with him as soon as he gets back. I am very sorry, All right, cheers, bye. All oh, like, right, speak of the devil. Where the hell Have you been? Well, I've just had a lady from 26 Langley Gardens on the phone. She says her pizza was stone cold. And frankly, I'm not surprised, since it seems to have taken you two hours to deliver it. What the bloody hell's going on, Jensen? Well, the team
0: worked very hard this weekend. I'd particularly like to thank all the guys at Honda who've built my 50cc moped. But, you know... There were problems throughout the delivery. The track was very greasy. After my first pit stop, I was getting severe understeer. So I went back into the pits, and my chief mechanic did all he could. Pits.
3: Chief mechanic, track. Jesus, Jensen, we have been through this time and time again. Right, one, the petrol station next to Netto is not a pit. Number two, your friend Terry is in no sense a chief mechanic. Well, he works at it Quickfit. It's irrelevant. And furthermore, the ring road is not, and never has been, a track. And that's why there's no need to do 68 bloody laps of it before you deliver the pizza. <laughs> Sorry. Christ alive! This is as bad as having flavours or head weights, sir.
0: Yes, uh, you like uh, tomato is nice. Uh, make good sexy time with pepperoni.
4: Eh? <laughs> You're a very beautiful lady. Stop
3: touching the customers! Merry Christmas from Darren Jones and Speed, and Happy New Year from Smith Petrol.
0: I was giving a sort of a nice big Christmas treat on Sunday when I went to the Race of Champions at Wembley have either of you two followed it on TV ever the show
1: the race it's a show uh, actually, haven't no. I mean, well, I have mean, seen footage of it, but I haven't uh, actually seen a uh, the race of champions show, if you like. I, didn't, I haven't actually been aware of
2: anyone showing it. But no, I didn't know. Was it on telly somewhere? It, it
0: has been on Eurosport over the years, and I think uh, Motors okay. TV, because it was originally a French event set up by uh, Michel, Michel Mouton, Luzon.
2: of course. Yes. And How did we nick that? Because it's been in London for a couple of years. Because it was in Paris, wasn't it? And before
0: that, I remember when I first started watching it, it was in the Canary Islands, outdoors. Oh,
1: yeah. yeah, it started off somewhere quite sunny and. Yeah, moved, so we're quite yeah. miserable. Yeah. And That's it was move.
4: blooming cold, I can tell you. Hang it on, was, hang on, yeah. I know
3: why they're doing that, these racing drivers. God, they're clever. It's because it's colder, air's more dense. The cars uh. will run faster. <laughs> <laughs> a
0: better competition. It was very good. I don't know if you follow it, but what are you saying, so. No, you, I, was
1: were, to, no I, was, I was going to go off on a very boring tangent about how that being the case what you want is if you had some kind of double-decker racing whereby you could have a like a two-deck racetrack you'd want to be on the lower track because hot air rises, rises air on the top there we go but you know, but I wasn't going to do that anyway the
0: race of champions to- it was very cold very 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 cold but I was there all day it starts at midday and finishes about 7 in the evening so it's a big day's entertainment it's uh-huh. split into two things they have this uh, race of nations uh, which was won by Get this for a super team, uh, Team Germany made up of Michael Schumacher, who's quite good at driving a car.
2: I've heard, I've heard. yeah,
0: and the other one. Sebastian Vettel in his team.
1: Well you've got you know you've got you've got strength in depth if you're picking the Germany team. Uh, is,
2: I, I thought you were gonna say something else then. And there was a lot of joy I, as well. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Stop Stop it. Yes. Um, yes, and I noticed that these race of nations things were happening in KTM crossbows. Yes, that's right. Or as
0: even one of the people from uh, race of champions themselves said to me, Yes, yes, they'll be racing the expos. I said they're called crossbows. Mm. Really? Yeah, yeah, they're called crossbows. People see the X the mm. in the logo and think it's called X, but no, it's well Well, fair enough, because that's yeah. what
2: it does say, you know. It's this yeah. sort of this syntactical mucking about, yeah. like BMW writing mini all in caps and yeah. things like that. And the alfamito... With, yeah. a, with a full stop in the middle of it yeah. and things like that just stop it because yeah. I, I get very irritated by the spell check thing in, right. in Microsoft Word people don't have Word. a spell and use yes. well, Basically, well I get irritated no, by no, that no. as well, well I, I get irritated you know, I find it. you know, really. myself standing fussy outside fussy. Zavi looking at their window display with yeah. CDs with an apostrophe on it all, all the, the no, time, time. Hey, you screaming at them hey, hey.
1: no but it's not yeah. fine no I'm not saying it's fine it's not sorry I missed it I'm sorry I am the
0: fascist who goes into shops when I see that and say guys you realise you've got an apostrophe
1: where it says mp3s outside or cds and you don't need it and they go well, I oh, no, I do yeah. that
0: I really do Zog, I'm with
1: you but there really is almost no hope several articles in the independence website for example yeah. um, on the independence website uh, in the last week or two with the same apostrophe no error. really it's almost, almost the it's thing uh, yeah. it's
3: where's the possessive I tell you there's no apostrophe in it's because it denotes possession however if it was a person's <laughs> name then <laughs> the apostrophe does denote possession <laughs> so
0: they drove the crossbow and Germany won it was fantastic but then they come to the race of the champions. Champions itself. Yeah. And the final was Coulthard versus Loeb. And David Coulthard mm. got a great reception. And so did Jensen Button, who was taking part, actually. Yeah. I mean, there were some great guys in, in this whole thing. Matthias Ekstrom was there. A couple of Americans I'd never uh, heard no, of. No, it,
2: I think it's, it's Matthias Kropstrom <laughs> <laughs> The X stands for Krop.
0: Don't you know anything? God. How are you? Tom Christensen was there. Was, who were the Americans? What was their name? Faust this guy called no, Tanner yeah Tanner 1st
1: I'd never heard of him I have to confess and um, he came out of nowhere slightly sulfurous air about him maybe I'm just guessing
0: <laughs> Adam Carroll was there for Team Ireland who I really rate with Gareth McHale who's a rally driver I had like to shout for because he mm. was called Gareth Ireland were eliminated in the Cup of Nations wherever it's called but the final like I said went down to Sebastian Loeb or Sebastian uh Lobeworm, as I call him because I'm a Star Trek fan Ferengi thing forget about it he's won it twice before and Coulthard got him to the final. It went to three rounds. The first round, they were in ROC buggies, rock buggies, they call them, yeah. which are fierce. Uh, the second round was in the crossbow, the expo. Yeah, bow, yeah. Mm-hmm. Coulthard stuffs it into the wall on the last corner. Oh, well, that must have made him really X. I mean, cross. <laughs> <laughs> It is confusing, isn't it? it uh, Loeb gets ahead, and then Coulthard pulls it back and crosses the line before Loeb. The line, so- <laughs> no,
5: crosses.
1: You're right. Oh, this is really confusing. Does that mean that it's Christmas that's coming up on some people? That's true. Side? Yes, yes, yes. Merry <laughs> Christmas, everybody.
0: Merry Christmas. Yes. So it went to a third round, and again they were back in the ROC buggies. And this time, Loeb did it, stealing it from Coulthard, which was a great shame because Mm. the whole place would have gone absolutely bonkers. You can probably hear in the background some of the atmos and stuff I've put on of what a vibe it was to be there. But there was one driver there who I know reasonably well, actually, Jason Plato, who I've done charity races with before in the past and the odd bit of television. And so I thought I'd have a quick word with him. Well, I said to him, actually, that being at Wembley was the perfect job shop for him and whether he was there chasing a job and whether he'd asked Prio for a job driving in the World Touring Car Championship. (laughs)
5: Well, to be honest, um, I'd rather stay in the BTCs really? I'm really honest, yeah, because, you know, me and Sophie ju- 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 just just our first little daughter, and I want to spend time there. Congratulations. Yeah, thanks. And, uh, and also, you know, my TV, my two companies that I run, I'm running around the world, I'm, you know, that side of me, my brand, is going to suffer, and I like doing all of it, and also, you know, I've got nothing to prove in, yes, it'd be nice to win the World Championship, but I've beaten all them guys before. In the BTCC, not to say you know that you know, not to say I'd beat beat them again, but it, you know the whole BTCC works so well for me. And, uh, you know, if, I, if it, another thing to bear in mind is if I go over there, I'm just another driver. We're here, you know, even though I say to myself, maybe I'm the big fish. You got a great reception when really? you came out here. Seriously, it was one of the biggest
0: shouts, oh, which is just makes you proud. Well done. Yeah,
5: absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, it, it is a stunning event, this, isn't it? And, uh, you know, it can't be any better with Lewis here, the One car. It's tough out there, though, isn't it? It is tough. It, I tell you, it's hard. And, and uh, one, one thing I didn't realise until I actually got got into it this morning it's actually quite a lot of pressure because, you know, we, we want to perform in front of all these people we're representing our country and man, do we want to beat the big stars, you know? They were commentating
0: on the radio that you had a Scottish solitaire on your buggy <laughs> when you went out. That's going to confuse a
5: lot of people. <laughs> yeah. But we'll take it, yeah. we'll take it. No, it's a, it's a fantastic day. And I'll tell you what, what must it be like to play football here for your country? What must it be like? I, I was here about three rows from the front in July uh,
0: 1985 for Live Aid. Wow. Now, yeah. I think this compares best that. That's a good vibe, yeah. I can tell you. It's, it's amazing,
5: isn't it? I mean, long may this sort of event continue because yeah. it does. You know, it's unique. Where can you get Michael Schumacher, Vettel, and a whole host of others. and Jason Plato, my mate, and, and now me, JP. It's great. <laughs> nice to meet you again, And you, fella. Too, and you too. Enjoy the rest Keep of the day. It in your pants. Right. Say. Hey, I'm famous for it.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Keep it in your pants. Well, they've just had children, haven't they, the Plato? So maybe he's saying, "Look, I'm, I'm a parent. Don't do it, Jones. Too late for me." I th- I think not that all a bit weird, but anyway, play, you know, play though so he's a good man. He was really enjoying himself, really enjoying himself, and so did the punters. There, it's a great show, but you know um when- Terry Grant, the stunt driver, Zog. He was oh, yeah, at
2: the, yeah, yeah,
0: He was at the Johnny yeah. Herbert event that we did recently. Have you ever seen Terry Grant, the stunt yes,
2: driver? Yes, yes, uh, yes, I have. Do you know what he does? Have you ever seen his his act? He is the guy in the Subaru, right? Is uh, that he him? does, yes, he does. It. Well, actually, it I think a, you also have Ken Block, the American guy, but yeah, Terry Grant does. He did it in a Mitsubishi That's Evo. It, yes, beg your pardon. Yeah. I know why because I went to the Top Gear live show the other week, and I think it was Terry Grant who was in a London cab. Body that had been dropped over the chassis of an Evo Nine, amazing uh, drifting and stuff there, and then sort of you know, but almost like drifting on the spot, you know. That's so, it. Because it's, it's not quite, you know, Donuts. donutting. It's not quite somehow because the whole car seems to you're kind of very pivoting around, around the yeah. front wheels. It's yeah, that's it's, it's is, is, Ken, is
1: Ken Block the guy who maybe I've seen doing that same that same sort of donut trick, but around a guy riding a Segway?
2: Uh, yes, I think so. And he yes, and a, jumps Subarus in an improbable nice way. Nice well, well, um Sorry, yes, so yeah, Eddie, T- Eddie Grant. Eddie C- uh, Grant drove down Electric, Electric Avenue. Avenue yes. Yes. yes, Then
0: Terry Grant. Uh, it was doing this wonderful thing where, first of all, he drove his Evo on two wheels around the entire circuit. Really? Which is quite something. I've always wanted to do that. Now, he's, he's never done it before, he says. That was a first for him. It was great. Like, but he also does this thing when he comes up in a little legend. You've seen the mini-legends, these sort of curious, look like Ford pop... Body from the 1950s Oh yes, yes, I have. Yeah, yes, yes. it's got a Yamaha motorcycle engine or something, and he turns up. He does donuts in the thing, and it mm. spins around its front inside wheel. And oh, this is fantastic! And then he climbs out through the yeah. window <laughs> onto the roof, and he's got a throttle control there, and he's mm-hmm. still going around. Everyone's
3: going, ah, oh, this is amazing!
1: What skill! And then he makes a big. Big mistake in my does He does the uh, move then They called the E17 and he runs himself over. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
4: That's called the E17, That's,
1: that was very true. The Brian. Yeah, yeah. the yeah. Brian. Sorry, the, the
4: Brian, Brian Harvey, yeah.
0: That's That was very good. So, but, but then he makes a big mistake, he gets out of the car, he's on the roof, he jumps onto the bonnet of the car, mm. then jumps off the car and goes and stands and watches the car do its donuts. Now, until that point, you think, what skill this man's got. He can control a donut on the spot. Basically, he's got a car set up to do donuts like that. So he just gets mm. out. And that moment of doing that, he blew his act, I think. Mm. He blew That's it. That's a good point, yeah. Good entertainment. Although
2: I do still think it's an interesting window into the male brain because what's happened is he's got his donut technique quite good. And then he's thought, I know what would happen if I tried to get out of the car now. Because mm. that's the only way he can discover that he could do that. Yeah. I'm sure. Well, yeah,
1: yeah he must have, and must have you know, tweaked the setup of the car so that it's just so you can just once you've got it in that dynamic state, it'll remain in that state. Mm. But I just it, think
2: there's is it, 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 a peculiar part of, the, of, a, of a man's brain that makes him do that. I think a woman would go. This is all pointless. I'm going to stop donutting now. It's not doing anything, is it? It's silly, yeah. but but Whereas, I don't think it's because the male brain thinks. Yeah, the male brain thinks this is the, no ever yeah. ever ever. But you go, wow, this is brilliant. But I bet I can make it better if I try and get out. Yeah. Uh, With a sound recorder, we uh, I'll used marmite uh, on it. On it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I wonder if I I'll could do more this while the alphabet. <laughs> uh, there was a sound recorder we, we used on Top Gear, who once was a bit bored in slow-moving track, traffic and thought, uh, I wonder if I could drive my car cross-legged. <laughs> and then he drove into the car in front oh. of him. Oh! oh, you just, he, oh he,
1: he the blow says, cars are oh, you know, I'll practice clutchless gear yeah, changes, yeah, or yeah. I'll practice left foot braking. So oh, the cars oh, are schooled. while it. you're on the do it road. Do traffic. No. Don't do it in...
2: One of the big lads from the year above us at school, John Wilde, uh, had a Metro GTA. Do you remember those? Quite yes, yes, they gold. were. quite. Yeah, my mate Anna had one. And, yeah. uh, and he had one of those. And he was driving down a very rough country track, not even a road, just sort of gravelly track. And he suddenly thought, I wonder how fast I could go down here before I lost control. (laughs) So he kept going faster, and then he lost control (laughs) and wrote off his car. Uh, From personal experience, if you're
1: going to try this kind of thing, do it on an empty snowy and icy road because the point at which you lose control is or so much speed, you get, you got lower a point you might and therefore to get you back. don't yeah, yeah exactly if, you, you, if you get a practice, you're to practice your sliding on a public road empty icy and snowy
0: you're not saying that from experience are you Zach you have not the, at all air, no,
1: okay. no I have no experience okay. of this whatever I have never damaged any part of a car as a result of really playing about with sliding a little bit on icy road. never never
0: I think this is something we'll return to in the next show, actually. I I want to talk about ice in the next show. But hey, for the moment, Racer Champions was fantastic. It's not expensive to go to. Although, if you're going to drive there, it costs 25 English pounds to park at Wembley. What? Outrageous, isn't it?
1: You could get, what? Hour and a half's parking in central London. Yeah. <laughs> if
0: you're lucky, yeah, I think it's a bit shocking. But the finest thing, apart from Cool almost winning the whole event, which would have been great, Jensen Button got a great big roar as well. ready right for that. Perhaps the greatest thing was Lewis demoing a McLaren F1 car. Mm. He'd driven around in his McMurk 500 SLC with his dad. The McMurk, the McLaren Mercedes McMurk.
2: That's a lot.
0: What did I say? SLC? Yeah. Sorry, SLR. That's no, the, the new one,
2: though, isn't it, coming out? I thought you'd got yeah. an amazing Sorry. scoop. From the future. No, no, <laughs> it, it was it was the,
0: the McMurk, which is actually a Lola, I think. The body's built by Lola. Did you know that? No.
1: Just yeah. the body? Or... The, yeah, just the body yeah.
0: built by Lola. Yeah, the carbon fibre tub mm-hmm. is made by Lola. Mm-hmm. I've seen it. I've been there. It was there, Huntington. So he did that. That was good. It went, Bruh! It makes that noise mm-hmm. that the um, the McMurk does. But then he went round in his MB423. twenty three. And it made this sound. I'll play it for you now. We'll be quiet for a moment. Listen to this. This is completely surreal. I'm standing in the middle of Wembley, right by the circuit, as Lewis Hamilton comes past. Listen to this. He's gone in the blink of an eye. How he's managing to keep that car on the circuit without touching the walls. It's so narrow. That sounds like an air raid siren, with all The echo as it bounces off the walls of Wembley here. That is a spooky sound. That is one of the scariest sounds I've ever heard. It sounds... Primordial, don't you think? Primeval? Prime Primordial? Primordial. Primordial, yes. Yeah. Primark. It, Primark. It sounds like a cheap like clone shopping station. I think
4: with
0: it's. a very bad sort of No. I... I think it sounds like sort of an electric pterodactyl, such a
2: thing If you heard that in the middle of the night with no context, you'd be absolutely <laughs> terrified.
1: It would get you it's out of an
2: upsetting it, noise, I isn't I it? I mean,
1: it's an incredible sound. I mean, you know, we, we kind of get, you get used to the sound of racetrack. Yeah. Which, which are fantastic. Love love the sound. Racing engine. You know you hear it before the car can into view, see the car, and uh, well, it sounds a racing anyway, but but that is like the difference between your normal road car sound and what it's like when you go over a tunnel mm. and then race race circuit sound and and the Wembley sound you've yeah, got that yeah. everything reflecting back and it's sort of It was
0: ricocheting around the terraces of Wembley there and the crowd were roaring behind it. I tell you, it was was all the hair standing up on my arm. And if you've got kids, actually, and you like a bit of motorsport and motortainment, because that's what it is, really. Yeah, go next year. I'll see you there.
3: Ladies and gentlemen, the
4: 2008
0: FIA Formula One world champion, Royce Hamilton! Gareth Jones on speed. I was there.
3: Jensen, we're in my office, please, mate. Now, look, I think you know about the standards of service we uphold here at Froome And, uh, I've got to be honest with you, mate, I had a customer on the phone this morning. She weren't very happy with a test drive of the new Civic what you gave her.
0: Well, the guys in Swindon worked really hard on the car, and I have to say thanks to them. But, you know, maybe it just wasn't our
3: weekend. Stop talking like that. It's just weird. This lady... She says you insisted that she drive round and round and roundabout outside Sainsbury's and you announce she's amongst the slowest four cars on the road and won't be going through with the next qualifying session.
0: Well, I think she was battling a real understeer problem, really.
3: I think she was battling a beardy West Country wazzock what isn't fit to work in an undergarage. Jesus, it's not as if I ain't got enough problems with Felipe Massa as me bloody pump attendant. Mr. Sepplefuck. Oh, he's on fire again! More now, Felipe! they Step petrol with Gareth Jones on speed!
0: And now on Gareth Jones on speed, an apology on the
2: behalf of Richard Porter by Richard Porter. Welcome to this occasional segment on the show. And uh, it's a slot that I like to call Things I Forgot to Turn Up For. And uh, we start with Gareth and Zog speaking to you from the Japanese car exhibition at the Science Museum, which you may have heard on the last show. It was something that um, I forgot to turn up for. And uh, they're actually talking here about the Johnny Herbert charity karting event, which um, (laughs) I forgot to turn up for.
0: For the last, I think, ten years, I've taken part in the Johnny Herbert Karting Challenge, which is a charity event that Johnny set up, I call him Johnny on first name terms, uh, to raise money for various charities. And over the last few years, I've managed to persuade Zog to take part in it as well. And indeed, for the last two years, we've even fielded a team called Gareth Jones on Speed,
1: and it was good this year, wasn't it, So, As always, it was an absolute blast. It was a great thing to take part in, and I think we managed to give a pretty good account of ourselves this year. I think we can be reasonably happy with that. I think we can be very happy with that. It's a three-hour endurance race. There were seven in
0: our team. Our drivers were Carl Haxton, who's a bit of a carter, another carter called Jason Mills... And the young lad has come out of karting and Formula Ford, and I think he's just moving into another category of racing now. And you'll recognise the name, even if you haven't heard of him, Freddie Hunt, who raced with us last year as well. Son of...
1: Son of James Hunt. Royalty, in my opinion. It was great having Freddie in our I, team. I'm absolutely fantastic. But I couldn't noticing, as last year, he was the last member of our team to actually make it to the circuit. <laughs> He's not unlike his dad in that respect. (laughs) What-o, Murray, who's on pole? Yeah, we also had Ted Kravitz and Brendan Barnes. Who's Ted's uh, mate? of Ted's. And the two of us. And And we acquitted ourselves really well because we qualified... 15th out of 23 runners. Which we thought was okay you know it's a competitive field but we managed to finish 14th. We managed to make up one place on our qualifying position which doesn't sound like much but we were delighted with that because you know you've got some proper drivers there plus people like me and the qualifying is done on the basis of the fastest time of any one of your drivers but of course your final position at the end of the endurance race is based on everyone's performance and so basically we as a team managed to do justice to the fastest member of and our team and improve on that yeah. and slightly improve on that so um yeah, so so well done us. And and there were some top racers out there. Emanueli Piero being one of the quickest, really. Uh, yeah, yeah. The winner Emmanuel Piero, Ricardo Patrese was there as well. Johnny Herbert, of course. And I mean, it, it was a particular thrill for me to be on track at the same time as Emanuele Piero, who I've seen and cheered on racing at Le Mans. Yeah, you and, me and both. He's, he's a motorsport legend. And and when I saw him flying past me, I have to say, I thought, okay, I'll see if I can follow him for, uh, you know, see if I can pick up some tips on the line. See. If see if I can get a quicker lap here within two or three corners of course he was gone <laughs> uh, and I just didn't have the speed to keep up with the good guys I though. enjoyed
0: meeting Ricardo Patrese for the obvious reasons but also for another reason I don't know if I've ever told you this about 14 years ago I bought a motorbike from Kawasaki direct from Kawasaki themselves because I'd used it on a TV programme it was a KLR650 great bike and they sold it to me from the press fleet and they said oh yeah this used to be Ricardo Patrese's motorbike and I was never certain if it was actually true He said yeah right. he used it as a paddock bike they said at the British Grand Prix so when I met yeah. Ricardo I asked him I said Ricardo um did you ever have a, a big Kawasaki as a paddock bike at the British Grand Prix? Said, yeah, it's quite possible, he said. Yeah, I don't remember for sure, but um, I remember the traffic was so bad, he explained that he borrowed a, a motorbike and was using it to get to and from the circuit to the hotel. So the mystery remains.
1: I haven't had mm. it absolutely certified, but there's a strong possibility it, but that the, is the truth. The possibility remains. You, you haven't been able to authenticate it as the bike, but but there was a bike. And it could have been that one. It could have been, mm, okay. and the award for the fastest lap during the race. Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. what, what a star! What an absolute. And actually, I thought that was really, really impressive. That one of the older guys there, because you've got some, you know, some young, light, and really good karting guys. Fantastic that that with that competition. Ricardo Petresi sets the fastest lap. Ah, oh, we salute you, sir. Yeah, what absolutely. A, a yeah. And if you haven't seen the clip of Ricardo Patrese taking his wife uh, for a spin in a Honda Civic Type R, I believe, on a lap of Jerez, you have to see it right now. It's on YouTube. You can either search for it on YouTube or, better still, go to garethjones.tv,
0: go to the Gareth Jones on Speed pages, and we'll put the link up there for it. Might even put the video up there,
1: actually, for a short while. Why not? I might just say, talking about the karting, that one of the things that struck me before we actually got into the race itself was at the driver's briefing when everyone is standing around listening to the race organiser explaining what to expect to the drivers the safety briefing all this you know, important stuff and there's sort of a bit of an atmosphere of what would you call it sort of end of term exactly that's and what I was sort about sort of, to it's say it's like sort of yeah. and, and, and we're, I, we're
0: listening we don't really want to listen we'd rather be making jokes with the drivers we're standing next to wouldn't we yeah
1: particularly the ones at the back and I think that's encouraged like, by the fact that you've got a lot of professional drivers drivers there and they're sort of stepping back to you know a little go-kart track and so that encourages that slightly jokey air and people you know they're not all taking it 100% seriously but there was one driver who, at the end of this briefing, when he says, "Are there any questions?" There's one driver who puts his hand up and asks a couple of questions, absolutely seriously, a bit clarifying details about the flags and I think about the black flags and about uh, the preparation of the carts and something to do with the pits. And it was Emmanuel Piron, yeah. the guy who's won Le Mans five times. Yeah. I mean, I mean no wonder if he takes it, his game that seriously. Exactly. Yeah. There you are. Yeah. There's nothing uncool about taking it really seriously.
0: He showed us all up. Actually, everyone was slightly embarrassed. Like, oh, yeah we don't know about that until he mentioned it.
1: He's reminding you that, um, okay, you know, whilst in a way it is a bit of a a light-hearted event for a lot of those guys because it's racing under, essentially, under so much less pressure and with, you know, so much less in the way of expectations than they would normally have, and something that's not going to kill you, also, to be frank. But it is still motorsport. People can still get hurt and, you know, even if it's just a, a broken something here or there, you're still getting hurt and you've got to take it seriously. Full respect to him. Yeah. And apart from all the racing drivers, the pro racing drivers
0: and schmucks like us taking part, there was also one fella there I was, first of all, absolutely chuffed to see that he was there because, well, like us, he's a petrol head, and I wanted to talk to him about cars. But I also really wanted to thank him for some of the fantastic noises him and his mates have made over the years. Nick Mason, drummer ah. in Pink Floyd, a
1: big Ferrari head, a bit of a Tifosi, really. And a couple of years ago, a couple of years ago, it's more like oh, more like maybe sort of eight or nine years ago, he published a fantastic book called Into the Red, I believe, which was essentially about some of the favourite cars in his collection with a chapter on each car about driving it a chapter about the car itself and then an accompanying CD with recordings of all of those of each of the cars from inside the car from outside the car doing a lap of Silverstone so it was a real book I would recommend if you could still find it
0: and for a band like Pink Floyd who've always used ambient sounds and recordings of things like ASDIC and Flies in the Room and people having their breakfast you know meshed in with the music that they record it's no surprise that he did something like that really Mm. but anyway Nick Mason was there and I couldn't miss the opportunity to have a few words with him for gareth jones on speed so i asked him how come he's such a big petrol head
6: the whole thing kicked off for me long long before music because my dad raced cars and made films about motor racing i didn't know that. Uh, yeah he was a director and he uh, directed and wrote a history of motor racing for shell a sort of five-part series and so i was taken motor racing from when i was about five years old you know that was the ultimate treat and i'm afraid to say it still is
0: and so as soon as you got some money which must have been well, what year 1673 was at the point you got some some real money what yeah. was the first treat that you bought yourself in terms of a car
6: well i suppose I kicked off my motoring career with 20 quid spent on an austin seven i had that for a long time then i went mad and spent 180 quid on a pre-war aston martin the first sign of a record royalty was a mini cooper and eventually a series of lotus lands and land plus two and things like that
0: so you've really got it in your blood if you start with a cooper and then go straight for the works of mr chapman yeah. you know what you're doing
6: yeah then I eventually got round to uh, the sort of first Ferrari which was 275 GTB 4 cam So that's not any old Ferrari really is it? No it's a hell of a lot more work and uh, trouble than a regular one and finally, when, really, thanks very much to Dark Side of the Moon and all those kind listeners who bought a copy, in a pre-download age, now I'd just be looking at a sort of, I don't know, an El Zephyr, think. <laughs> and I found the GTO and paid what was then a record price for it, and what was nice was that when I bought the car, I suddenly realised that it had had a number plate change, but was the car that I'd taken a picture of in 1963, when I'd gone to Goodwood with my dad and he had a photographer's pass and I'd taken this picture of a GTO coming through the chicane as a sort of ultimate car. I
0: I know that feeling exactly, I bought a Lancia in exactly the same way I I didn't realise at the time it was the car I used to lust after as as a child it's a deeply personal thing for you isn't it?
6: Yeah, I've always bought with my heart rather than my head. The strange thing is in many ways the cars that one buys with the heart, you, you end up finding out are the ones that become the most valuable
0: I remember recording a piece for television a kids show I used to do called The Big Bang where I did some wing walking oh yes and in one of the hangars where they stored these crunchy liveried well, steamers. No longer
6: crunches. They would have since been the utterly butterly barnstormers and now they're the Guino skincare
0: and weren't some of your cars parked in that hangar? Is yeah. this how you, yeah. I trying to
6: remember where that was exactly. It's out near Sarincester. And so how many cars have you got now? Do you know? Uh, No, not exactly, because (laughs) it's not really, not only is it not very important, but also um, there are some cars that you're not sure whether they count as cars or not. Uh, So there's things like, uh, you know, the tub and the body for a Formula One Ram from 1983, which really will never run, but it looks like a car, and I'm still rather fond of it and it's safe in your hands yeah well it is at the moment anyway because it's upstairs it's not even anywhere near (laughs) a circuit and of all your cars, which is the favourite? Is it a Ferrari? Is it the 275 still? Do you still have it? And I don't have a 275, but got, uh, because I don't think you need a 275 and a 250 GTO. In fact, in many ways, you once you've got a GTO, you don't need anything else anyway. <laughs> but uh, GTO tends to be the favourite, partly because it makes me look clever for having bought it originally, but mainly because it's such a, a well-balanced, great all-round car. And, you know, no car is perfect. You can't use a GTO to get four people in and all the luggage. But it'll do seven out of ten things well, whereas most cars do four, four out of ten, let's say. So you can race it, you know, finish third at Le Mans. You can't ask for much better than that. You can rally it. It's done loads of sort of long-distance rallies i mean it did the original tour de france and things like that and you can use it on the road you know you can actually there's actually room to put some luggage in there's more luggage in that than most supercars most modern supercars
0: i can't imagine what it'd be like to own the car of your dreams in the way that you do i'm thrilled that you've managed to realize it and the best thing is that you've done it through creating some fantastic tunes thank you very much and atmospheres i should say nick it's privilege to talk to you. Thank you very much indeed for your time. And uh, Listen, how's your team doing out there? Do you know where you are at the moment?
6: Uh, I'm fairly confident that we're rather close to the back because uh, we did have a wonderful sort of kid as, as the ringer who's got us started in about fifth or sixth on the grid and suddenly it was discovered that he was too young to be insured with all these cruel big people so he was suddenly scratched there's a certain air of depression now hanging over the team (laughs) but we're trying to pull ourselves back
0: well if if you and I can finish in the top 15 I think we've done well
6: yeah I'd agree with that
0: I was trying to think of some sort of Pink Floyd motorsport crossover puns the best I could come up with is if you had someone who maintained one of your Ferraris and was a bit clumsy and was removing an axle and you know dropped it you'd have to say to them careful with that axle Eugene but that's about as close as I could get uh, yeah I will send you one of our recordings and a link to our site, and you can hear our interpretation of of the Pink Floyd. Nick, thank you very much, Sinead.
6: You're welcome. Look forward to hearing...
0: Nick Mason, rock and roll legend and motorsport legend, or certainly petrolhead legend. Petrol in, legend, for sure, yeah. yeah. You've been listening to Gareth Jones on Speed. If you want to know a little more about how we got on at the Johnny Herbert Karting Challenge 2008, Zog has prepared a rather elegant little video. We haven't made it available as a podcast, but you can see it from the new Gareth Jones on Speed Facebook fan page. So, if you're on Facebook, search Gareth Jones on Speed, become a member, and you'll be able to see this. And we'll also make it available on our YouTube site as well, which is uk.youtube.com forward slash GJ. On speed, or just search Gareth Jones on speed, Johnny Herbert Karting Challenge and you'll find it. That's it. Zog, uh, thanks for taking part in the Johnny Herbert Karting Challenge. It's pleasure.
5: Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's true,
0: really, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah,
1: see, we'll, we'll be doing that again.
0: We have a good life, don't we? And as a tribute to Nick Mason, you heard me mention it in the interview, here is a song I've written, uh, literally, and recorded the week I met Nick Mason just before I met him especially for Gareth Jones on speed this one is called fueling Nick's Ferraris in the style I hope of Pink Floyd, this is the Punk Floyd, say goodbye Zog goodbye, off <laughs> from me as well
3: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the unveiling of the latest generation of ASIMO, Honda's fully autonomous robot of the future. Our engineers have worked tirelessly to make advances in ASIMO technology, and in particular to enhance his speech capability. So please, ladies and gentlemen, welcome on stage, ASIMO! Thank you, thank you, thank you Okay, and I am delighted to say that ASIMO will there. speak to you.
0: The car wasn't running well this weekend. We had lots of problems with understeer. I'd like to thank everyone at the factory for working so hard. Maybe it wasn't our weekend.
3: Definitely. Yeah, excuse me. Is he designed to be this boring? Why has he got a beard? Isn't that just a failed racing driver in a robot costume?
6: Ladies, ladies and gentlemen,
3: ladies and gentlemen, please, let's just forget about Asimo. I'll deal with you later, bun. Let's move on to our new generation on private jet, which, if you look overhead now, you will see being demonstrated by our guest pilot, Takuma Sato. Contact the show on speed at Get the lyrics, picture, and more information from www.garretjohns.tv or subscribe for free at the iTunes Store. Garrett Jones on Speed is made by Wittsbank.